0: From the top of the rafters to the seats at ringside, welcome to the center of the ring podcast and I am your host, the referee Johnny T and today I am joined by wrestling royalty a queen in her own right in the 80s there was a substantial boom and interest in the world of professional wrestling and many people feel that world wrestling federation is synonymous to wrestling in the 80s however there were other territories and there were other promotions that grew to uh i'm going to say a fandom of of cult culture prominence and of those include the gorgeous ladies of wrestling glow and today I am joined by one of the original champions of that promotion. We're talking about the Royal Hawaiian. How are you doing today?
1: Aloha. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am well. Thank you so much for being a part of today's podcast. Oh, I really do you. appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. My pleasure.
0: How are you coping with the way the world is today with COVID-19?
1: Well, um, I'm, I'm a high-risk person so it's been a little bit difficult for me Um, I actually started in um, Los Angeles and uh, was dealing with it okay you know staying home was you know in isolation for you know a good 14 days three weeks or so without you know going anywhere seeing anybody except for my roommate and and her her friend her boyfriend and that was it and Mm -hmm. I was having difficulty with you know, convincing her that this is, you know, serious stuff. And, you know, um, because I'm high risk, I, I need to not be around people. You know, I, I, my doctor canceled everything. Like I had some procedures that I was supposed to do because I had a, a recent injury and, but everything came to a halt. You know, she said, I don't want you by anybody. You need to stay inside, see nobody go nowhere. You know, But unfortunately, my roommate didn't observe any of that, you know, was out every day, was out gallivanting and, you know, visiting a a restaurant that was catering to them and a bar that they know of that was still open and shouldn't have been. And then coming home and subjecting me to whoever they were with, you know, so I basically had to up and leave. So in the middle of it, um, I ended up packing up and leaving and um, got on, on the road and, Drove to Arizona where my son lives and I was there for about a month and it was wonderful in Arizona because there was uh, nobody, I mean, nobody on the streets. Um, Everybody was, you know, observing the uh, guidelines and um, they even had a curfew there, five o'clock if you were out after five. Um, It was a level one misdemeanor and a thousand dollar fine. A second offense was 25 grand. So it was pretty serious there. You know, so then, then from there, I ended up uh, after a month. I ended up going on a road trip and came up to Washington. So that's where I currently am right now. Um, my big sis here, who suffered from breast cancer, is going to be starting um, radiation treatment next week. So I'll be here taking her to that and. Up here, it's a, kind of a different atmosphere. You know, it's it, the weather's different, but um, coping okay up here. It's great. No stress and, you know, kind of just helping out with her. And we're inside and both her and her husband are high risk. So we're all here together. So it's okay. I'm dealing with it, but um, I'm ready for it to be over. But I don't want it to be, um, you know, opened up too prematurely because, you know, people are still dying today, and you know, if they open up all the small businesses and and just all the states are gonna go back to normal, and we still have this problem, I mean, it's still gonna spread. So I'm concerned about that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very fair concern. Um, it's which first, I want to say, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're all right, yeah. and we're wishing the best for uh, your sister. Thank you uh, out there, uh, as well as for you. Uh, I, I start with that. Because, um, you know, in the world of podcasts, people discover you at different points in time. And the launch for this particular podcast is sort of in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And so when we get to the other side of things and when we're rejoicing in better days again, uh, it'll, be, it'll be good to just hear how people were thinking and feeling during this time. Yes. Versus the tone and the feel of what some of the conversations will feel like when we're on the the other side of this. But I also know that on your part, a a big part of what you do presently, and we'll talk more about it uh, a little bit later. I know you make a lot of appearances and stuff, and a lot of that has been halted because of that. Yes. So again, I'm greatly uh, appreciative of you making a virtual appearance in the center of the ring. Widow referee Johnny T. Thank you
1: once again. No problem. I mean, this is what we're doing to pretty much survive, keep people, you know, up uh, you know, lift their spirits, and keep people focused, and 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 do some some interviews because that's pretty much what we can do right now. So, hmm. you know, it's 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 been a little a little challenging, but you know, we're trying to encourage, you know, those that are having a rough time to you know reach out and. Make sure they're you know staying healthy and safe, but it's fun. you well, know, I enjoy doing the interviews, so you know anytime anytime I'm you know asked to do something it's it's always a a good thing you know
0: well, the reality of our world right now is that it's not the happiest place, and, and it's the news is not always the happiest right now, so we hope that this can serve as a distraction for a little while and uh, amongst some of the most passionate podcast listeners out there, are those who are fans of wrestling and you are without any shortage of a following and fans yourself uh, glow a mid early to mid 1980s phenomenon. I'm going to ask you, did you grow up a fan of professional wrestling? How did you find yourself actually venturing into the world of, of wrestling?
1: Actually, I was not, um, at the time i was not really into wrestling um the only wrestling that i really was um involved or aware of was during my high school days i had a close friend um brian um who was um, a classmate in high school who was on the wrestling team at my high school in san gabriel and that pretty much was my extent of wrestling was collegiate wrestling i mean i knew of at the time it was wwf and I knew of it, but I really wasn't involved. I was an athlete my whole life. So I did, you know, I mean, I touched in different sports and stuff like that, but I was not a wrestling fan at the time. And so when I got involved, um, I was at the time I was 21 and I was pursuing an acting career. And so I was going on interviews. I was a model, a dancer. I had been dancing since I was a kid and um, so I was, I'd been an entertainer all my life. I come from a musically inclined family. My dad's family's um, pretty much all musically inclined. He had a, he had a rock band, you know, when he was in high school and, and an adult. And so it was in the blood and I had been, you know, dancing since I was uh, five or six. And so that was just a natural thing. So I was pursuing it at the same time I was going to school, working and pursuing, you know, interviews and and such. So I was working in Hollywood at the time and I worked in a secretarial office and I worked across the street or not across the street, across the hall from my agent who was Bob Giannis and his partner was Jeff Bridges. He was Todd Mm. Bridges' dad, you know, Todd Bridges from uh, different Different strokes. Right. Yeah. Mm. So they were right across the hall. And when the call came in for glow, um, they got the, you know, they got the call and they came over and they said, "Hey, we got this thing and it's, you know, it's for a, a TV pilot and it's." Um, they didn't say what it was. They just said that they're looking for all ethnicities, all kind of girls, all walks of life, and it just said if you had any um, athletic background that it would be helpful. So I said, "Of course, you know, I'm game for anything." And this kind of they said athletics, and I've been playing uh, softball while well, at the time baseball. Um, cause the, when I was younger, there was, uh, no girl sports. So I was one of the first girls in my area to play boys, little league baseball. So I started out playing baseball. And then when they eventually, by the time I was in like seventh and eighth grade is when they came up with girls softball. And then I played basketball in high school and, um, stayed, you know, active and uh, all the way up until, um, too long ago, maybe about 10 years ago. Ten years ago, I was still playing competitive softball on a co-ed travel team. So I've been, you know, working out my whole life and being active. And then they said this is available. So do you want to go? And I said, of course. And I just so happened to work for this employer who was very supportive. And she would just let me leave for the day or the hour or a couple hours because I was right in Hollywood. So sometimes it was just an interview with, you know, casting or something. So they weren't really long. And she would let me leave, come back, make up the hours or just lose the hours. You know, she didn't care. She was very supportive. So I was lucky at that. And I went to the audition. And it was in Hollywood at the Hyatt Hotel on Sunset. And that was the first one. And there was, I don't know, we say 800 to 1,000 girls. And this was the audition that Hollywood was at as well. So both her and I were at the same audition. And, you know, we went and there was a ring in the middle of the room. And then, you know, David McLean got up and said, you know, well, you're all here for a all-female wrestling show. And about a third of the girls got up and left. You know, there were girls, uh, actresses, models, dancers, um, cheerleaders. Like for us, you know, we, we had a few in, in glow from, you know, raider cheerleaders to express cheerleaders and what have you. So there were tons of different girls. And a lot of them were just, you know, not interested, got up and left. And then um, for me, I was there pursuing uh, an acting career. So I said, I'm staying. You know, There's nothing to make me leave. And, you know, that was the start of it.
0: Okay, so with with so many different territories that were relevant at the time, as we look at the more traditional wrestling model, a lot of wrestlers would work in different territories, and I'm sure there was a, a quote-unquote audition process to become a part of those territories. Whether it was you sending your picture, um, and you were maybe heard of. Or you may have an opportunity to do a a dark match in front of the promoter to see if you have an it factor that they would want to work with. So people funneling into wrestling in a more traditional sense, uh, it may not have been worded as audition, but they had theirs that went with it. So I find it interesting that this was the strategy that was utilized in order to bring people in. By pursuing this, was there any type of formal training that was provided for those women that that were chosen to become a part of the roster. Yes. Uh, was that was where those trainings um, were? They led by uh, other professional wrestlers exactly. or
1: well, well. So at that interview, they did have. Um, Mondo Guerrero and we were doing just basics like seeing seeing if people can do tumbling you know if the cheerleaders you know and I was a cheerleader too so I had that background so wanting to see you know if you could do some somersaults and things like that and then I got the callback for this show so then from that point on then they they put us into um professional wrestling training with Mondo Guerrero so mm-hmm. you know wrestling dynasty with the Guerrero family so this wasn't anything to be you know anything small this was kind of big time when here we are they're selecting there was about I don't know maybe 30 35 of us that they weeded through and they were looking for primarily 12 characters for the pilot so they put us in training down in Watts with Mondo and he started from the basics you know teaching us how to take a fall teach teaching us how to you know how to take a bump and and how to do an arm drag and, you know, just real basics. And then every day it got, you know, into something a little bit more advanced and, you know, picking how how to pick up, you know, how to, how to do body slam, just over all the different moves and stuff. And then as we went on, the girls got weeded out. So David and Matt, the producer, um, uh, the director and producer were looking at the girls. Okay. Here's the characters we're looking for. We need to look through the ones that are training and are getting, you know, are able to do the the moves and are getting the wrestling and talking to Mondo and who's making it, who's doing it, who do I think is, you know, going to be a possibility. And then they have their characters, you know, they had a Royal Hawaiian, you know, they had, uh, they wanted a Tammy Jones, they had a Tina Ferrari and an Ashley, they had an Americana and a Hollywood and Vine, you know, Ma- they had the Matildas. So they had the people in mind of what they were looking for. So as we got trained, they're like, okay, well, that's our Royal Hawaiian. That's our Hollywood. That's our Americana, you know, and then Spanish red. And they kind of had, you know, picked girls from the original auditions to kind of fit that group and then weeded them out as they saw that we were getting better. So that's how it happened. And yes, so we had, um, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're down in Watts and going through training. And that's how they, we, you know, dwindled out and ended up with 12 of us. And then from there, you know, we kind of moved on to get ready for the pilot, to film the pilot in Vegas.
0: Uh, Approximately, if you can remember about from the original audition that was at the hotel, you said probably about a third of the women left and then a certain amount ended up in Watts with Guerrero if you can remember about how many actually made it to the training. I know that 12 would emerge. Yeah. To actually I, think, be on the show. I think we
1: probably had about 35 around there, you know, to where they, wow. they had a couple girls, you know, they had like a few that maybe looked like me or, you know, kind of could pull off a Royal Hawaiian and maybe a couple Latina girls cause they were looking for the Spanish red, you know, and then they had, uh, you know, girls, just for the different, you know, things. Maybe they didn't really know, like the Tina and Ashley, they didn't maybe know what the look was going to be like, but they kind of had an idea, you know? So there were probably a few of every, you know, character that they were thinking of. And then out of that 35, they just picked the best one they thought that could fit those characters. And it was about 30, 35 different girls. And then they dwindled it down to us and it was the 12 of us. Wow. yeah so it was pretty exciting you know for us when it started out like and and our audition that we went to in Hollywood was not the only audition so that one was anywhere we say like 800 to a thousand girls is what was there It was just a you know a cattle call an open call and that was one of the auditions and then we got down to 12 so you know the numbers in, and I don't even know how many uh total auditions like the ones we had that they did. I don't even know, but, you know, Hollywood and I, and I think maybe one other girl might've been there. I don't know if it was Matilda. I don't think, I don't, I don't remember, but Hollywood and I were, were definitely together there. We didn't know each other yet, but, um, Mm -hmm. and, and then of course, you know, to get down to 12 of us, that was pretty exciting, you know, so.
0: So approximately how long, how many weeks months was that that process the training process and then th- to the point where you're identified as one of those that are going to go on the roster and, and you got the gig
1: you know what we hollywood and i when we do our interviews and we're on the road we kind of guesstimate it was maybe about three four months because the training alone i think was a couple months um that we did so i would say probably about three four months maybe and then of course um, we were training to then have the pilot filmed in Las Vegas and that was done in December 1985 and uh, so that was ultimately the goal was to get the girls picked and um, out of that 35 or so they dwindled us down to the 12 characters that they wanted and then uh, we trained and then had the live show for the pilot done in December, and so it was a few months, and it was you know an exciting time. We didn't quite know exactly what we were all doing. I mean, David McLean was uh, 25 years old from Indiana, had you know been involved in the wrestling um, for you know pretty much all his life, and his vision was to get an all-female wrestling show on TV, and so he came to Hollywood He got involved with Matt Simber, our director, and then um you know the show was taken to vegas and we um, filmed that in vegas and was in in front of a live audience at the riviera hotel and the rest was history after the pilot was done then it was taken to the nappy conventions and it needed to be sold because it was syndicated and um once that was done you know it was basically uh we we then had to get a, a whole new cast together to film this the first season and um we basically nobody told us how to how to do a you know a, a all female wrestling um, league and TV series. So we pretty much were you know flying by the seat of our pants, and and they were kind of telling us what they were looking to have done. And you know David had his ideas, and Matt had his ideas, and kind of went from there. And uh, the end result was you know Glow in 1986. So it was a lot of fun and a lot of challenges. So that's kind of how it started.
0: So you are an aspiring actress. You're working. You were fortunate enough to work for an employer who understood, you know, you've got goals outside of what their business was. This is probably like one of the most labor intensive and long dragging audition processes that probably any actor or actress would have to entail. Was, was there any point, you know, when you hear like a window of time, like maybe about four months, it doesn't seem like that's so long, looking back on it in hindsight. But when you're going through that process on a day-to-day basis, you're going through a, a process where the training and wrestling is, it can be grueling on the body, taking bumps, you're taking some hits. You know, you wanted to get in and be an actress, not necessarily a stunt man, but you're probably taking some stunt, man, like bumps along the way. At any point in time during the process, did you feel like, wow, maybe I made a mistake and maybe I'm losing out on other opportunities by sort of committing myself to this? Were you still entertaining other roles potentially and still meeting with other casting directors during this four month window of time that they kind of say, okay, we're training you for this. We feel like we're gonna go with you. You know, yeah. can you not consider other roles right. someplace else because we really want to put you in here. Yeah. It's just such an interesting way of, about doing something like this, mm-hmm. especially because there's a, a different type of, of a tradition that goes with this in the traditional sense for, for booking talent in wrestling. Right. And this one is being approached really more from uh, uh, a Hollywood esque type of angle. And this is going to be a television show production more than it is going to be, more than it's being presented in terms of its recruiting elements as, hey, we want to pick up the, you know, we want, we're not doing an NFL draft here. We want to try to just pick up the. The talent and how, how did that look how did that feel at that time well you know for you? That,
1: that, that's a great way of you know asking that because you're right it wasn't the traditional way of trying to recruit the talent for a wrestling you know event and so it was definitely new right it wasn't something that we knew we didn't have a script or a manual saying this is how you create an all women's wrestling league and Slash TV show. So it wasn't your most traditional. And as far as for me, I was all in. So, you know, I'm pretty adventurous. I'm open for a challenge. And um, I know that there were some girls that were not, you know, um, mm-hmm. some of them were definitely only from the aspect of being an aspiring actress. And yes, this is a role I'm going to be playing. However, some of them didn't really, um, want to stay with it. And for me, I was all in and I did not pursue anything else during that time because once we, you know, we, we committed to this and we knew it was going to be on location. So we were only temporarily in LA. I mean, all the casting and everything and the training was done in LA, but ultimately the show was going to be filmed in Vegas. So I couldn't commit to something else because if I'm going to be in Vegas, how am I going to go back and forth to LA or, you know, wherever it was, you know, that, so I, I I only did glow and a good majority. Once we got casted, we were, we signed contracts. And so that was what we were going to be doing. And, you know, we didn't really know, I mean, sure. David McLean had his ideas, but then you got, now you got a Hollywood, a legendary Hollywood director coming into the mix with all his great ideas and you know creativity and all that which is what made the show different right this was not Mm -hmm. your traditional wrestling promotion right it was it was a hollywood based you know background which i don't know that david really set out for that initially you know because he was really so wrestling oriented that you know hindsight we look at it that he stayed in it for two years and then left because of that. He was more interested in the wrestling, you know, kind of the traditional wrestling. And then Matt, you know, entered in with all the creative, the skits, the music videos, all the, you know, the quote he has, however everybody says, oh, it's kind of like a combined show. But and in any case, we also have been told that we were making fun of women's wrestling, which was far from the truth. Because we were not in any way, shape, or form. We were trained by Mondo Guerrero. We were doing regular wrestling. Sure. We were creating other moves that the men's wrestling hadn't seen. There's stuff that we were making up as we were going along because we're saying, hey, this is an opportunity to, you know, put the women out there. And what could we do that men weren't doing yet? You know, so we were trying things, and you know, they were allowing the creativity for us as, you know, now new athletes. In in and you know, some of us were already athletes, so we were just becoming wrestlers, and some mm-hmm. were not athletes at all. And this was their first, you know, chance of trying the athletics and so forth. So it was different. Um, we had a ball doing it. Uh, we didn't know exactly what the outcome was going to be because this was the first of anything like this. So, you know, we were, you know, trial and error. And, you know, there maybe were some ideas that David had that Matt didn't or vice versa. But, you know, through that time, I didn't have any thinking that I was going to quit. You know, I was in it for the long haul. I was going to see it through to the end, see where it could go. And um, my thing was, is you know, I was pursuing acting, but guess what? This is another, and I was an athlete, so now I'm combining the two, and guess what? It was getting me on TV. So ultimately, that was my goal, right? So this was just a, a vehicle to do that, and other girls that were were pursuing it, you know, kind of thought the same thing, and, and, a, and some of them did do it, and then decided not to continue, you know? So once we did the pilot, like a perfect example would be California doll, the original California doll that I did a lot of work with, because my first match in the pilot was myself in Spanish red, my tag team partner against Americana and California doll. So California doll, she was a fitness model. So she was a, you know, an actress fitness model and what have you. So she did the pilot. And then after the pilot, she decided not to continue. So that's all she did, and then we got another California doll because, of course, the character was a popular—you know, it was it was a good character. So then we got another girl that ended up becoming California doll, different look, and um, and Jane was great at it. You know, everybody loved her her points to ponder videos and her little episodes in the in the ep, uh, in the show where she ended up having her little um, comedy skits. You know, and so some of them did. You know, come and go, and and those of us that did stay, you know, had a ball, and we were just, you know, in for the ride, and to see where it was going to go, and then, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know if it would even make it through the first season, you know, and then it went to two, and then to three, and then four, and then, you know, then an abrupt halt.
0: And during your during the run, I guess it's, it's two parts of the question: how long or how many episodes were filmed to constitute a season for GLOW because um you know in most professional wrestling organizations there are no seasons or they're technical seasons for cataloging purposes, but there's really there's no wrestling season like there's a season for football or right. basketball or baseball. Right. It's year round season from a fan's perspective. Um you know, what did that look like for Glow in terms of the the number of of episodes that went with it, um, and then did did a lot of the talent end up relocating out to Vegas to live? Was it just a seasonal live? Was it? Um, I guess that would be contingent upon the number of episodes that were produced uh, per season. I, I would imagine. Yeah. What? What did the logistics of that? kind of look like for you guys
1: well for the seasons like for season one um we did all um live in the hotel so the the show was um shot at the riviera hotel in one of the ballrooms they constructed that um you know with the ring and everything there and um we all once we got the show we did the pilot we went for the pilot and then we went back to la until everything was sold and then once it was sold then we were required to relocate so we relocated and lived in the riviera hotel so then we were matched up and we had roommates and then everybody was you know in different areas of the hotel and for the season you know i'm i'm not one of those statistical people what we have um we have a lot we have quite a few historian, glow historians that can tell you how many episodes they know who was in what episode they know Mm -hmm. from season to season. I don't know. I want to say that through the whole four seasons, I think there was something like, I don't know, a hundred and something, um, episodes. Um, there were some that were not actually aired, but were taped, um, for season one. I want to say there were probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm guesstimating 20, maybe episodes or maybe less, maybe a few more, maybe a few less. I don't, I don't even know the exact numbers, but you know, to be honest with you, I actually have all my DVDs right here. You know what? I have them right here. It's funny because I actually have um, a set of the whole season myself. Um, We actually have quite a few that, Um, our historians for us. James Mayer is one of um, the GLOW historians that has pretty much anything that was ever on uh, video or taped for our show. We have Mike Rand, who of course is, uh, man's one of our our GLOW pages and now does his own Mike Rand show, which um, we just did um, a series of interviews that just dropped this morning, as a matter of fact. And so we have quite a few of them um, that have followed us from for a long time and i can't tell you how many episodes but i've got most of them (laughs) and we're still working Mm -hmm. on trying to see if matt will you know get um a four season discs done but anyway so we were in the hotels um for for that first season everybody lived in the hotel um and that was basically how it was run then when it got to be too big the show was so big as far as girls capacity of the people that were coming to the show um i i want to say this the show was done season one and two was done at the riviera and then when they got a lot of the new girls because of course glow split off And, um, some of the girls went with David McLean, who went to pow, he created pow, Mm -hmm. and then eventually wow. And so then they got more girls and then the show ended up moving out of the Riviera and moved off to uh, an off site in one of those warehouse big warehouse buildings. And they created a a show room there with the ring and all the audience and chairs, which was a lot bigger capacity wise. It fit more people. And then at that point, the girls ended up going to the glow houses. So they moved to residence. So they had a good girl's house and a bad girl's house and um, they lived out of a home. So that was a lot different than, and you see that on the show. So at the very beginning, um, you know, you show us, you know, they showed us in the hotel and, and everything was there locally. And then it moved to, um, you know, the, the houses afterwards. And I'm not the best one to ask about that stuff because, again, I was only there for season one. So everything that happened after, I've learned as I've gone along with when we do interviews together and such. I learn I something every time we do a show or an interview. I always learn something new that I didn't know because a lot of it, I wasn't there for at the end, you know, or through the middle um, because I got, you know, I got injured and and ended up um, leaving the show. So that's, that's kind of a whole new, you know, story. If you, if you get somebody else, they're going to give you all kinds of, you know, new stuff or new info um, based on whether they were in season two, three or four or all like Hollywood's been in all four seasons. So there were only a couple of them that did all four seasons her in Fiji and I'm not sure who else did all four seasons. So you know you will get different answers when you interview more of the girls, you know, as as you go along, you'll you'll learn more about what took place. So okay.
0: All right. For yourself, you wanted to I mean I keep coming back to the actress thing and I'm sorry, okay. but it it is it, just it's fascinating the way that to work together because so many wrestlers go on. They do it.
1: The opposite. they use
0: wrestling. <laughs> yeah, they they utilize their name in pro wrestling, get, and to then the, they, to the
1: screen. It's it's kind of opposite of what we did.
0: <laughs> correct. Yeah. And so I, to just go back to what you would have imagined yourself being a, as an actress, and and looking at where you ended up. Uh, in your role as a professional wrestler, you wrestled more or less the heel style, yes. the, bad the bad guy. guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As an as an actress, you know, at the time looking to try to land a role in Hollywood, would you have the preference of acting as a protagonist or an antagonist? Do you think that the way that you might lean? toward more might have had an impact on the way you carried out the character of the royal hawaiian
1: you know that's a good question and you know what i i don't i don't really know i i I mean hindsight i now know that i don't know if i would have wanted to play a baby face because i had so much fun being a heel. And it just just seemed so natural to me. And I I guess I could have, because of course, it was, you know, I was an actress. So you you played the role. And I was given that role and then said, do what you do, you know, create what you want her to be, do what you want her to do, you know. And so all they did was tell me, this is your character, you're the real Hawaiian, you're a heel, run with it perfect I mean I was an actress I did you know I did theater I did commercials I did modeling I did tv bit parts extras whatever um I don't you know I don't know I just it it, it just the way it turned out was um when people ask me about from glow what did I envision myself to do well I really took took the the role and i enjoyed the wrestling so much that people always ask what did you see yourself doing i said you know what i was gonna go all the way i didn't i wasn't just thinking as glow as the tv show and then that's all i was gonna do i enjoyed the wrestling so much i wanted to pursue the wrestling so that's why everybody always asks well what would you have done would you have gone farther like maybe like tina ferrari she was ivory in wwf Mm -hmm would you have done that? Cause some people say, Oh, well we pick like the people we think that could have done WWF would have been like you and Dallas and, you know, Hollywood did audition, right. She auditioned and she was one that, you know, has a huge, huge following. So she would have been perfect. Right. Um, but she ended up being injured right before she had the opportunity to to audition for WWF, she had broke her leg. So they, they, you know, they just said, forget it. It was, you know, not even an issue. They were gonna, you know, look at someone that had that kind of an injury. But, you know, for me, that would have been my goal would have been to, to go as far as I could, right? Once GLOW was either done or if it, if I had the opportunity and somebody said, hey, we'd like you to try and, you know, go into this promotion or, you know, whatever it was, you know, Tina Ferrari went, to WWF and I don't know it might have been a smaller promotion or something else that could have eventually got to that or people ask if you would you have ever auditioned or you know tried to you know get you know into WWF and I said you know what I think had I stayed into it that would have been where I would have liked to go and do I think I could have done it sure I could have I mean I look at I look at Ivory and guess what she was, I was right alongside her in this. I mean, I was training the new girls and we had several of the girls training, you know, after season one, you know, we had Dallas, Killer Tomato. We had Jasmine doing um, uh, training, which was um, Salt and Pepper. The, and they were both pros when they wrestled for um, Before Glow, they were in the pilot. That was Salt and Pepper, the tall um, African-American girl and the white girl, Charlie. Charlie Haynes, she, they were both professional wrestlers. So, you know, they could have, they did training. We had Debbie debutante, we had Nunchka doing training, but so there were a good caliber of girls that could have gone further, you know? And I always say, had I had the opportunity for sure, I would have done it. You know, that would have been right up my alley. So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if they told me, cause at one point they did tell me they wanted me to go babyface because being the Royal Hawaiian, even though I was a bad guy and I was in everybody's face and I was crushing pineapples and spitting, you know, pineapples into the crowd and, you know, messing with the crowd and stuff like that. They loved me, you know, so Mm -hmm. I ended up having a a large following. And then they started thinking, oh, well, maybe we're going to turn you face. And they wanted to. And I told them, no, please. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, I really don't see, how am I going to carry on my shtick with, crushing pineapples and, and doing all I do as a face, you know, I just didn't really, it didn't mesh with me at the time. I just told them, no, I, I, I can't see doing that. And so they let me stay. So I stayed as a heel and, you know, never changed. So, you know, I mean, I, I know I probably could have done it, but I didn't even want to change what I was doing. You know, I just felt comfortable in the role that I was and and just went with it.
0: So you carry the momentum well enough to become second champion.
1: Yep, first
0: that would be crowned in the first hill, mm-hmm. first hill. What led up to that? You, you know,
1: I don't know. I mean, the same thing. You know, like people ask, "Well, how how did you get to play a second character?" I said, "You know what? I don't know." And I don't know if you even know that, Johnny. Did you know I played a second character?
2: I read yeah, so. So, I read that he yeah, was, was a masked character, character correct yeah
1: so I was Sarah mm-hmm. so when I joined the show you know I I told them that um, I'm willing to do whatever you know you need me to do I told them I I'm not um, I'm not interested in a casting couch I said so don't even approach me with that mm-hmm. but you know because it happened back in the day that was something that really happened um, mm-hmm. I I just let them know from the jump i said i'll uh, you know i 'll give you one hundred and fifty percent, but uh, don 't ask me to do anything funky i said i 'm not interested, and so at the time they said well we 're looking you know we need to find somebody that 's capable of carrying on two characters, two matches, you know the everything that comes along with it. Then they had me do training with Americana, so now not only am I playing two characters now i 'm I'm training the new girls for season one and become part of the production staff, because now we need to work with the writers to see who's, who's up for a singles match versus a, a, a tag team, who can, who's doing well enough that they can do that, this, that, and the other. So my, my schedule was pretty full, you know, but um, I would say, um, leave <clears throat> me back to your initial question. I'm sorry. Um <clears throat> What did you, I forgot I what it
0: was. I, I forgot. Okay. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it was, uh, what do you think Like you would become a champion okay, yeah, for, yeah. The okay. for the organization? So one. I don't know.
1: I don't even know how, how they went about choosing that, you know, how, how did they decide who, you know, who was the next one based on your performance, based on the, the popularity or your following Um, the writers having their storyline because of course it was not your traditional wrestling because it was for a tv series there was a storyline that had to be the continuity had to follow week after week and have some sense of what was happening right so I don't know and then along the way a fan had told me did you know that you were the longest holding crown holder for glow? And I said, mm. no. I said, how do you know that? And he goes, oh, there's a spreadsheet on the internet that shows who held the crown from when to when and how many days. And I think it was like, I don't know, 152 days or something like that. But anyway, this fan told me that. And I'm like, I didn't even know. So what happened with who it went to next? I have no idea. Because the thing that's hard for me to believe is Hollywood. Hollywood was, was in Glow all four seasons. She was a fan favorite. Today, I call her the the icon. Fiji is no longer here today. We have Matilda, of course, so we can't forget Matilda. She was our big, you know, our heel, you know, the heel giant in GLOW. But Hollywood was and is still, you know, an icon. I mean, she, she did all four seasons. And why didn't she have the crown? She never had a title match. The only time she had the crown or I would say belt is she did the pay-per-view show where she won the belt. So, but that was not part of the, the season, the four seasons to where she didn't actually win the crown. She won a belt during that particular um, pay-per-view and that was it. So I don't know, I don't know how that was, you know, developed or how they chose or what have you. Um, I don't know, you know, and, and so it just, you know panned out the way it did and and fortunately for me I you know I ended up on the right side of it and, and became the first heel champ and then <clears throat> I had it like I said for the longest of the duration of the four seasons and I only did one season you know so that's kind of cool right I mean um, unfortunately my my uh, length with the show was not very long because I got injured so and everybody asks, you know, did you love it? I said, absolutely. I'd do it over again in a second. You know, it was so much fun. I enjoyed it. It was um, empowering. You know, I mean, back in the day, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know we were paving the way for, you know, the Bella Twins and the Divas and Evolution. And and here we are now with, you know, head, the, the women headlining a, a WrestleMania, you know, so all the different things that have now come out of had there no been no glow, what would have, you know, what would it have been like? I don't know. But you know, it's exciting to know that we were doing things before it's time. You know, of course we have the mullahs and the penny banters and all the the ones that were there before us that didn't get much um not not much exposure because they were there were few that were doing it but now you look back and you say hey they're the ones that were really the 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 first the first ones out there doing it with the men and and now here we are the women are headlining a show you know that's that's awesome you know and i've always been one for for empowering women and and doing things to be positive role models and and encourage young girls and, and, and women to, you know, pursue what they think they can and want to do, you know? So it's been, it's been a fun thing, you know, hindsight, um, because I am still um, active with GLOW and touring the country and doing all the, the shows and events that we do is, you know, had I thought about it after I got injured you know, because I, I had a few injuries along the way, but it was primarily the back injury that kind of did me in. I ended up having a couple bulged discs and we had worked on some faulty equipment um, and I got injured. And, and there's a the few girls, you know, we, we had some significant injuries, you know, um, a jungle woman left just right after me. And she had a really serious back and neck injury that actually involved surgery. Like mine was, they wanted to do surgery, but I told them, no, I wasn't interested. I did not want to do it. And, um, you know, so those kinds of things. We had the ones where like Susie Spirit did her arm. We had um, Palestina slice someone's chin open with her sword. And, you know, those kinds of things. Mine was to where they told me, you know, you're young. Do you plan on having a family? If you do, we don't encourage you to continue doing this kind of work. You know, and so I stopped and I went to a traditional job and I pursued, you know, another job. And I went into the airline industry and worked for the airlines for 25 years. But now hindsight, I'm back into the wrestling still with GLOW and and the wrestling industry as a whole. And I think, you know what, after I got hurt, why didn't I go back? Like I could have told them, hey, I could still come back in some capacity. Would you like me to still train? Would you like me to do some commentating? Could I become another manager? Who says you only have to have one one manager for the good girls and one manager for the bad girls? Why couldn't I have been an independent uh, manager for some other wrestlers, right? And so, you know, we never thought of that. Nobody, they didn't think of it. I didn't think of it. It never became an idea. But I think now how stupid, you know, that I didn't, you know, just decide to, create something myself I just when they told me I was hurt I just figured done deal right which is kind of a bummer because I enjoyed it so much I don't know why I didn't think of that you know right right when it was happening so
0: well you know there, there you know there are no mistakes with, with things if you really take a look at the timeline and and we take a look at the way that you're remembered and you're revered for it you really just might be a poster child for the old adage of You know, less is more. And you had a quality over quantity run within it. And, you know, thanks to the power of the internet these days and social media, which were not vehicles Mm -mm. at the time of production, you're finding another life in a different kind of a space with the experience. You probably can appreciate it and respect it in a different kind of a way. For what it is and for what it was at the time versus, you know, maybe had you stayed and become that manager, then maybe all of the work that you've done leading to that might have been watered yep. down a certain yep. type of a way. You're too. right. So, and,
1: and that's, and that's I, how I kind of look at it. I, I, you know, I had fun for the time that I was in it. Um, here it is now after the fact, we're 30, you know, whatever, whatever, we had 2000. So it was, I don't know, 35 years ago. And, and we're still talking about it today. I mean, who would have thought this would have been happening right now, right? So it, it is, you know, I mean, I did have a great time, um, a short-lived career, but memorable and had a blast. And then, of course, you know, I did. I had, I had some good things happen in my life since. And people ask all the time, would you change it? No, I don't know that I would change it. Would I, have, would I do it again if I could? Absolutely in a heartbeat you know that's how much fun i had that's how exciting it was the industry and so so i think that's why i'm i'm excited to continue today so you know i i love giving back i mean sure we hit the road and we go on the road and we sell autographed pictures and T-shirts, and I'm not, I'm not becoming a millionaire. I'm not getting rich, you know? I mean, we do what we do because we love it, and I do it to give back to the fans. When you see the fans excited to see you, I mean, we have fans come up to us and cry. I have video just from this past October's LA Comic Con of this woman crying in front of Hollywood. And I luckily, I had my camera fast enough, and I, I just catch those moments. And she is literally crying because she is meeting and talking to Hollywood live right right in front of her face, you know. And then that same convention, Jungle Woman, um, this gentleman um, and his two sons, he just comes up and he is just ecstatic that he's just, you know, brings him to tears that he's talking to Jungle Woman, you know. And again, here I am with my camera and I got it on video for both of them, you know. And so we've seeing that kind of stuff. So people ask, why, why do you do it? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to share something, which is not a, a happy thought for me, but I'm going to share it. But my son who is 24 does not understand what I do. Um, it hurts my soul because I enjoy it so much. And, um, I can bring joy to someone who used to watch us back in the 80s. So they are 40, 45-year-old men and women who watched us as a kid, and we're there, you know, like I had one fan say to me, you are bringing a nine-year-old boy's dream come true. So this would be like, we're, we're, we're minor celebrities in the wrestling industry. We're not a big celebrity, but guess what? If you are a fan of The Rock, And The Rock walks up to you. What are you going to do? You're going to freaking pass out, jump for joy, grab him, whatever. Well, guess what? That's who we are to some little nine-year-old kid in the Midwest that doesn't see Hollywood or whatever, you know? So it's one of those things where, you know what? I enjoy giving back to the fans and bringing that day to someone who you know, really enjoyed what we did. And and I appreciate that. So, you know, my son, it's hard for him. He doesn't understand. Well, it's just, it's, it's a show from 35 years ago. Who cares? And, you know, and you're no, you're just a washed up wrestler, you know? And I'm like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, thanks for the boost of confidence, you know? But I, 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 it is terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. He wasn't, he, he no, he he wasn't, wasn't there for it. I say, he, and I tell him every time I do an event, I said, why don't you come with me? I invite him to all our shows, all our local events, and I try and tell him, I would just like you to come with me so that you could see what we do and what the wrestling fans are like. It's, it's, it's like any other industry. I don't care if you're a football fan, a baseball fan, basketball, hockey, tennis. I don't care what it is. Whatever it is you like, when you see your idol or you see your favorite player, that's a big deal. So guess what? I happen to be in the wrestling industry. So guess what? Those are the people that mean something to me because I did something that they liked. And guess what? Now I'm bringing that to the fans and that's what they like. So guess what? These people are paying money, good money to come into these events that are not cheap and then coming to see us. So guess what? Yes, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I am giving back to them. So he does it, and that's okay. But I know there are people who do get it. I unplugged you. I sorry. So I don't know if you heard. You're fine. You're you're fine. I do it for the fans, Mm -hmm. and that's all. You know, I don't care what anybody thinks why I do it. You know, I do it because I enjoy it. I know the fans appreciate it, and guess what? I've now gone a step further and i'm involved with being a manager for another guy wrestler and i know we were trying to get him on and we'll probably have to do do it another time but
0: no we can we can absolutely get okay, him well, on the show know, today so just
1: you know just just Let, that's let's... like another avenue of what i'm doing so i mean you can ask me what other other questions you want and we can talk about that in a little bit
0: i think this is the perfect way to segue into uh The role that you're taking with some new talent.
1: I've also um, had the opportunity um, to manage one of the young up-and-coming wrestlers that we want to see do big things, and that is Otto Von Clutch. So I would like to introduce Otto. Hi, Otto. What
2: is going? What is going on, everybody? It is Otto Von Clutch, and I am here, Royal Hawaiian. I am here. Can you hear me?
1: So I had the opportunity to meet Otto at a wrestling event, and then um, I basically said, "Hey, let us know when you're available, and I'd like to, you know, make sure we give you support, and maybe we can get some of the girls together." And then we talked, and then he said, "You know, what if what if you come to my next show and you be my manager, and you know, so on." And so from that point on we did the shtick he had a lay for me and he had a pineapple and from that point on we did our thing and had a little bit of interaction with the opponent and then it's been history so we've been you know doing gone on the road and have been doing things and and can't wait till the pandemic is over so we can continue and uh, get, out there again. get out
0: there again so are you wrestling a heel style auto with the heel manager? Because oh, the Royal okay. Hawaiian was
2: definitely Come on heel. now. I mean, I mean, this is not, we're not heels or babies here. This is a lifestyle. This is the Royal Hawaiian and Otto von Kletch. We are bad to the bone. We do not care about what the people think in the audience. Our focus is one thing, and that's to make it once again all the way to the top. We know the Royal Hawaiian. She's been there. But I tell you what, there's a new age dawning because people might not realize that the Royal Hawaiian is still active and she is more active than ever and uh when Olivia and Clutch and the Royal Hawaiian get together there is chemistry no doubt about it and she's definitely taken me under her wing and uh been able to learn a lot from her from a business aspect and just a lot of things you know we'll we'll hit in the we'll get in the car together we'll drive for a couple hours to a show and a couple hours back so i have that time you know 5 hours 3 hours how many hours it is we have that time together so uh definitely uh you know 2020 has been a little bit of a a rocky, mixy ocean, but guess what? It's all going to come together, and I think that even though we might be bad guys, hills, whatever you want to call it, we still like to stay positive. And uh, one thing's for sure, we're still going to be busting some people's faces in and spitting pineapple and all that good stuff as soon as we can.
0: You know, I've always felt the hills were – baby faces that were just misunderstood and and it's okay as long as you make sure that your opponents understand where you're coming from in that ring that's all that really matters honestly in the end that performance
2: the anti-hero absolutely
0: we're gonna wrap things up but i want to give you guys both an opportunity to do any shout outs and you guys get free reign to make any plugs on anything that you guys have got going down that's right,
2: folks. And today you have listened to Center of the Ring with Otto von Kratz and the Royal Hawaiian. And if you guys want to find out where to find OVC, that will be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all the above, everything you could think of, at Otto Von Clutch, O-double-T-O-V-O-N. Figure out the rest, brah. And for the time being, stay positive because this wave has been automatic. Yabra-cadabra, figure out the rest. All,
0: all righty, well, I, I'm gonna go figure that one out and I will definitely drop you to follow. Just as soon as I'm able to get to your social media platforms, I'm definitely interested in hearing more from you and seeing more from you. And uh, the Royal Hawaiian, what do you have going on? And Any shout outs and how can people get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, right now, just to um, let everybody know, the Mike Rand Show on YouTube is now featuring interviews with some of the glow girls, wow girls. And we're introducing some uh, of the young uh, new men's wrestlers. Um, so you can go on the Mike Rand show. He does man. One of our Glow pages forever glowing uh, for forever glowing. Yes. And um, so tune in uh, to that, that was dropped this morning. So you can watch that. And there's four episodes that are on. So you can binge on that and then we'll have another eight interviews coming up as soon as those are done. And then I just wanna plug a song. Um, a friend of mine is, um, is the band is Izbe, I-Z, um, semicolon B-E, and his name is Skies, and they have a new song out. We're calling it the 2020 Anthem, We're All Family, and it's appropriate for us right now in the pandemic. So if you guys could check it out, you could also reach out to them on Facebook or izbe.com and try and listen to that and share. It's a great song for uh, 2020 and this pandemic. And um, again, just wanted to thank you for having us on today and um, keep your eyes and ears open for more with the Royal Hawaiian and Otto von Kletch. As soon as this is all over and done with, with the pandemic, we will be hitting the road and hopefully we'll be in a city near you. And uh, you can also check me out on Facebook under April Hom, H-O-M, on Instagram. It's Royal Hawaiian 25. Uh, Twitter is glow underscore royal. And of course, if you want to hit me up on my email, it's April Hom 25 at gmail.com if you have any events in your area or we or you'd like to see the glow girls in your area any other events going on let us know send me an email and we'll see if we can get myself hollywood lightning some of the glow girls out to your area we look forward to a better 2020 if not we'll see you in 2021 and johnny thank you so much for having us on today and we look forward to more time with Center of the Rings. So, I appreciate
0: it. Uh, you know, thank you so much for being part of the episode today. I mean, just you know, I, I think there was a, there have been a perception out there uh, of more of the traditional wrestling fans that you know, Glow was not particularly real wrestling, and I, I just love the fact that you're able to share that. You guys were trained by one of the hottest names and one of the most you know, premier and premium names in all of wrestling, one of yep. the Guerreros. Yep,
1: uh, the Guerrero uh, dynasty. So, yep.
0: And, and you guys weren't just a, a bunch of models that were thrown into the mix to try to act out a wrestling show. You guys actually had to develop an appreciation for the craft and carry it out. Yep. So, um, I, I feel like some of the listeners will be enlightened to learn some of these factoids and, and facets around GLOW and and around the Royal Hawaiian as well from first hill champ for the organization. I definitely want to have you back on Joe, just, just to talk more about GLOW. Uh, I'm I'm beyond fascinated with some of the the facts that you shared about it today and, and to just be able to just ask, you know, even just from the point of view of the time that you were there. Yeah. Um, I, I would just love the opportunity to just chat it up with you about that sometime uh, before too long.
1: Yeah, no problem. Anytime, but, hit me up. I'd be happy to come back on again and spend some more time with you.
0: Much appreciated. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap this one up, and I will leave as many links to you guys as possible as they will allow yeah. in the meta Day. Thank you
2: so as much. As we post
0: these up. Uh, I want to thank you again for being a part of the program, The Royal Hawaiian from Glow, as well as Auto Van Clutch.
1: Thank you,
0: aloha. there, dropping those promos on us uh, today. Until the next time, this is the referee Johnny T, and you have joined us in the center of the ring. Until next time, we are signing off, and we are out of here.
1: Aloha.